we're so thankful that we're familiar with it, that we know it. We know your presence and we know your grace, God, and we need it. Lord, I thank you how you bless us, how you love us. Lord, let it be an example to us that we would bless others and love others in the way that you've loved us, Jesus. Today, we give you all the honor. We give you all the praise, Lord. The feelings that we have, it's because of your love for us, Jesus. And it's not about the feelings, but we're really thankful for them. God, I thank you for how you fill us. Lord, we love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Why don't you put your hands together for the Lord this morning? He's so good, and he's real and here today. up a little bit. Why don't you turn around and meet someone? We've got some new fresh faces here today. Say hello to somebody in a red shirt. Good morning, everybody. So thankful for Jesus, his grace, his love, his presence in this place, and this worship team just helping us to focus on that most amazing blessing in our lives. Let's praise God for his presence, this team. Just a couple things. Uh, look at the center of the bulletin. And ladies, we want you to save the date for what we're calling the paint night. It's on June 21st at 630 but simultaneously, sons and daughters can take dad out to the ball game. And so it's an opportunity for everybody. So take advantage of one of those and you will love it. The rest of the announcements, they're really part of the sermon. It's a celebration of church life. It's a celebration of ministry and growth. And so let me get started today and you join me in celebrating that we have the Living Free Ministry that tomorrow night they are going together and celebrate five years now of effective ministry of freedom, deliverance. Come on, let's praise God. So many people have been helped by this ministry. Mike O'Don is standing or is sitting right over here. Would you just stand for a second? He leads this ministry. Thanks for your gift to the community, your gift to the church. I'm grateful for the team members that come around Mike every Monday. Tomorrow night is an open house. If if you've got something going on in your life and you know it's unhealthy for you, it's a habit, you want to break it. Maybe you would even say it's, it's more than a habit, it's an addiction. Or maybe there's, it's just a hang-up, it's like a roadblock and, and you see that it has the potential to have a greater negative influence and you don't want that to happen. Any one of those areas, it's just a ministry of help and 
freedom through the power of God's word applied in your daily life. And these men and women that lead it, they lead out of their story, out of what they have experienced from God's power and his word. So you are invited and we celebrate the great ministry over the last five years and many more to come. Growth Track is the way people get involved in our church, become members of our church. It runs every week and on a monthly basis. We recognize those who have gone through saying we want to embrace, take ownership of the vision of the church and serve as a dream team member. 24 more adults and 10 kids successfully going through Growth Track. Would you stand? All of our new members and let's give a great shout out to these people. And as I look at this group of people, ministries rush over my mind of the connecting points for these men and women and how they came to attend here and the impact on their life. And now they're saying, we're all in and we're going to serve. It's just incredible. And then finally, I want all of those who served on another historic event called 50K Days. Come to the platform and let's celebrate as all of these young people and adults come. I need you to really give a great, great, great appreciation. They have worked so hard. They've done so much. Come on, church. Let them know your love. That's it. That's it. Hit your feet today and really put your hands together. We're so proud of each one of them. As you're seated, let me talk to you about this for a moment. If you're new to our church, 50K Days represents 50 hours of work that started on Thursday evening. It ended yesterday evening. And the goal was to raise $50,000 in the 50 hours. And the $50,000 would then be dispersed among these young people that you see on the platform because every one of them, a total of 70, are going to serve Jesus on a short-term mission trip, whether in this country or in other countries this summer, to have this number of people of our church, this next generation, giving up time, working hard to go, that's also worthy of a lot of respect and appreciation. So proud of you for being willing to go and serve Jesus. They did so many different projects, projects that you were able to to put on the list and to help us spread the word about this. And by the time they were finished yesterday evening, they had raised over, are you ready for this? 58,000 plus dollars. Yeah! Now, let me, these young people, I, I did this in the first service and it was kind of like impromptu, gonna do it again, because I want you to get an idea. Aaron, tell us what, what are some of the things you did over the 50K days? Uh, we did a lot of things. Me and Brady actually built a retaining wall with about 75 railroad ties. That way the haul. So that was always fun. And there's always a lot of mowing and weed eating, stuff like that, so. Incredible, this is a great young man, loves Jesus, working hard. So proud of you for that. Sitting right next to him is Logan. And this guy worked a jackhammer for about five straight hours. No exaggeration. 
I'm so proud of you. Why don't you just praise Jesus with, hold your hands up like that. Come on, zoom in. Look right here, right here, right here, and right here. Uh, you remind me of Jesus. Uh, uh, man, but seriously, five hours, hard, hot work, and then people picking up that concrete and hauling it off. Isaac, what'd you do? Well, we picked everything up. We picked up uh, just a bunch of tree limbs. We cut down trees and then just got down our hands and knees, picked a bunch of weeds. So just from the little stuff all the way to the 40, 50 foot trees, crazy. So wow. it's awesome. Wow, incredible. What'd you do? Um, I did the same thing really, actually. Um, lots and lots of weeding for me and cleaning windows. So proud of you. Great job. What'd you do? Um, I, we, I'm sorry. Um, I mostly hauled off brush and weeded gardens and yeah. That's so good. So good. So they work really hard. This is not just, you know, 58,000 that was given for just out of our generosity, which would be worth it. But it's hard work that they did. And I joined this church in thanking you. And then there's a lot of adults up here. And adults, would you raise your hand? Because they led these teams, moms and dads and youth leaders. And you deserve, you deserve such gratitude today and respect. Thank you so much. They lead this team. They, they give up their time. They, they help with supervising the project. And they're very hands-on. And so I'm just so grateful. This is such an example of a generous heart on behalf of the young people and these leaders. And so we celebrate them today, raising over $58,000. Let me, Isaac, where are you going this summer? I'm going to New York City. New York City. St. Louis. St. Louis. Malawi. So we have people going from Malawi to St. Louis to New York City, and they're going to be the light of the world in those specific places. Jesus is going to use them. Jesus is going to be strong in and through them. And all of them will come back with memories and moments in their life that are shaping uh, their worldview, that are shaping their concept of God, and greater clarity on the call. And the world that is out there that needs people like this, don't, don't tolerate a second of someone wanting to talk down about this next generation. Here is the next generation, and I couldn't be more proud of them. We love you guys. We honor you today. God bless you as you're seated today. Come on, put your hands together as they go back to their seats. so much I just want to expound on the the spirit that is in this room it's a very generous spirit I want to talk about it we're going to go to Proverbs 11 and as I go there let me express specific appreciation to Pastor Barry and then to Pastor Justin extraordinary messages from the Proverbs that they gave you over the last two weeks thank you so much thank you Pastor Justin Pastor Justin is freshly off the trip from Thailand, working hard, getting ready for all that's about to happen. Lost 17 pounds. Man, what will you look like by August? Uh, but we, the, I was with him in Thailand. Extraordinary job. The way you love, the way you lead, and you lead from your love. 
and great, great leadership. I'm telling you, this church is blessed. And are you ready for the word today? Let's get into it together. Proverbs eleven twenty four 24 says, One person gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. A generous, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. I love this proverb, and it's a real challenge to the way we could think. You know, conventional wisdom says if you give, once you have given, you have less than before you gave. That's just simple math. Yet the proverb that we're looking into today says if you give, you gain even more. So if I feel led to give, and I use this bulletin as an example, and I give out of the three panels, I tear one off, and I give one, I still have two, my mind says, okay, I have given one, I once had three, now I have two, I have less, and that's the way it works. But then the Word of God comes along and says the Holy Spirit has such a way of placing blessing on our generosity that once God is done with his favor on a spirit of generosity, the person who gives ends up not just with three panels, but even more. Another withholds unduly. See, my natural mind would say, I need to be careful. Times are tough. I need to be, I need to be responsible, and I just can't release right now. I'm going to hold on, because if I release, I go from the position I have, the strength that is in having all three, I go down to a position of just having two, and I'm more secure in having three versus two, so I'm going to hold on. And yet the word says, who, the person who withholds comes to poverty. I want to give focus on this next statement, and let's just emphasize it. A generous person will prosper. A generous person will prosper. Generosity, and your mind could go right to money, and I am talking about that, but I'm also talking about our time. These young people and adult leaders represent a lot of time given. That was very generous of them to give that time, to give them their effort, generous with effort, generous with skill set, generous with gifts and talents, generous with, with just our love and our spirit. Living a big life is to live a generous life, and the blessing and favor of God is on a generous life. A generous person will prosper. I, I want a culture of generosity in my home, in my heart. I want a culture of generosity in this church because life is better and vision is more filled with momentum when it is connected with a heart and a culture of generosity. Yes? Now, I want to really just blow your mind today. I, I want our minds to go places in thinking of generosity that they have never gone to before. I want this to literally change the way you see generosity. Maybe it's going to be just elevating the perspective that you have. But I'll, I believe in the power of that kind of influence through God's Word. Now, it's a, an incredible passage of Scripture that is working so deep in my heart. And I want you to turn there. You're, you're going to need to see this verse by verse with me. So I want you to go to Matthew 21. Don't just rely on the screen here. It will be here for you. But I want you to see it. 
We're going to work through this and just allow the Holy Spirit to make it come to life inside of you. It is a living word, but let it resonate today in your heart. We're going to start at verse 1, and so you know the context. This is the, what's called the triumphal entry. So it's the beginning of the greatest week of history. And here's what it says. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. Interesting next phrase, if anyone says anything to you. And let's just stop right there and say, because that would be obvious. Because if you go to the Walmart parking lot today, you and your friend, and you get into two cars that do not belong to you, and you back out and begin to exit the parking lot, somebody's going to raise a question. So see it that way. Here's this. There's somebody that owns these two animals. They are tied up. Jesus knows they're there. He says to two of his disciples, go untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything, because they will, because that would be obvious, here's what I want you to say. The Lord needs them. Get that. The Lord needs them. The Lord who made the heaven and the earth. The Lord who, who put all of the stars Billions of them, called them by name, put them out there with just the span of his hand in just this one galaxy, one of millions of galaxies, like mind-blowing science that God just created out of absolutely nothing. And yet when it comes to the greatest week of history, the Lord is saying, go get these animals because I need them. And the reason I'm emphasizing this is because there's a point here. The Lord could have said, I'm going to usher Jesus in at the triumphal entry on Air Force One. Now that would have been awesome because they had no concept of flight in that day. And could, can you imagine just this amazing airplane coming in on that day? It would have blown everybody's mind and God could have done that with no problem. But instead he says, I am going to do this by asking for something that I've given someone and we need to see if they would be willing to give it back because Jesus is about to come in in the greatest week of all history and he will be ushered in on the generosity of an ordinary man. It blows my mind that the Lord would include us because he, he doesn't have to. And yet he would choose in the way he would orchestrate the kingdom that he would invite you and me to give out of what he has already given us so that by that generosity, the work of Jesus is ushered in in a more profound way. Generosity. Let's keep going. He says, you say the Lord needs them, and he, so the owner was this guy, he will send them right away. This took place, this is powerful, to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. What was spoken. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. That's a prophecy that Zechariah gave 500 years before this day where it's actually happening. Now, capture this perspective 
of generosity, vision, and living. That right now, you and I are alive in this season, in this generation. We're in this service today. We can take actions today that are very generous, and we can limit it to, hey, here's some young people. I'm proud of them, and I want to give some money that would help offset the costs of their trip to go serve Jesus. And we can keep it there. But could it be that behind this incredible ministry that's moving into its 100-year anniversary is a very prophetic work of God that out of the sovereignty of God, he wanted this church to exist, to thrive, to prevail. And we are now here on, on this season. And when we give, when we are generous what we are doing is participating in a prophetic redemptive story that is being told to this community and to this world. Like here's this ordinary man who has these two animals and he gets included in the greatest week of history because of his generosity that was in honoring of prophecy given 500 years before it happened. So are we just living days or are we living ordained days are we just here or are we here by design and purpose and it's very timely it's very significant and every day that we live and everything we do in the spirit of which we approach life is so significant because it can come in alignment with the work the grand scheme of God that is unfolding did God ordain these young people, wherever they may go, when they go there and they interact with people and somebody gets saved, is that not a fulfillment of prophecy of a mother, a grandmother somewhere that's prayed for years that a son or daughter would submit their heart to Jesus? And that aligns with the way God would want us to pray in his word that in the last days there would be a harvest of souls and the, the return of the backslider. And that so now you have this prophetic word of God and you have these people that have been praying perhaps for years for this life change to happen. And in this intersection comes you. And you become the witness. You are there in the moment when that person crosses over the line of faith and accepts Jesus and has their name recorded and they are forever forgiven and heaven becomes their home and their life begins to function in freedom and deep down purpose. Is that just happenstance or is that part of a grand prophetic scheme which makes the drilling of the concrete, which makes the washing of the windows, which makes the writing of the check, which makes the prayer, the verse written, the verse given, it makes it all so significant. And to live generously is to prosper in the grand scheme of a God who's advancing his kingdom and the gates of hell can't stop it. Amen. Oh, this is, this is where we get the cheer in our giving. We get the, the motivation, the joy. There's no begrudging because it's not obligation. In essence, it's opportunity. Well, let's keep going. We're not only part of a prophetic plan, but it says in verse 6, the disciples went and did as Jesus instructed them. He brought the donkey and the colt, placed 
their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread the cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of them and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. So Jesus is ushered in on the generosity of an ordinary man. And the result is that the whole city was stirred. The generosity of our spirit that transfers into the kind of love and effort and giving, what it does is that it, it magnifies the clarity, the visibility of Jesus to the world. What it does is it gives volume to the message of the gospel. And notice, all of those in the city ask, who is this? Because when we live out of a spirit of generosity that's connected to vision to serve our neighbors and nations, it creates a question. Because it lifts Jesus, and the question in the heart of the world is, who is this? And the Holy Spirit begins to activate in a person's thinking to reveal Christ to them. And again, you have that convergence of thousands, even tens of thousands of prayers and just the work of the Holy Spirit all converging so that a heart and a mind begins to embrace with a great, who is this? And as they discover Jesus, they then invite him with a repentant heart and their grace, God's grace and their faith connect and they are born again, saved. You see, generosity, it ushers Jesus in in a greater, more powerful way and it creates a question that we want everyone asking. Tell me more about Jesus. Who is this? It's a question of intrigue. I need to know this. And we are the light of the world that shines in the darkness. We're the salt that stirs up a hunger, that stirs up curiosity. The way we live makes people want to know. What is it that you have? Who is this? And that's why we live, to create that question and then participate in the power of the Holy Spirit to give answer to that question. It's interesting to me that this ordinary man with these two animals ends up being written into the redemptive story. And we're talking about him today. We don't know his name, but we know about his heart. He's somewhat the focus of a sermon in June of 2016. And this is the point I would like to to say is that when you are generous, you write yourself in to the redemptive story. Maybe all you can do is pray and, and give some money for young people like this to go and serve. And you may say, I, I don't feel like I've done that much. I'm telling you, you write yourself into the story when you do that. Every heart that is saved as the kingdom advances in these various places, you have written yourself 
into the story. Is that awesome? To think that then one day when we're in heaven, there will be people saved by the grace of God and named among the redeemed of the Lord because we ushered Jesus before them in a greater way by our generosity? How incredible! And in this American culture, it feeds us with a scarcity mentality and to be materialistic and to just get our own and to be about ourselves and we end up losing rather than gaining when the Lord comes along and just says, be generous, live generous with your thoughts, live generous with your love, live generous with your gifts, live generous with your money and you will live a big life because I'll prosper you. That is the motivation. You, if you've been in church any time, You've seen so much bogus stuff when it comes to money, but you are sharp enough to separate all of that nonsense, and you're able to resonate with the Spirit of God, which is a spirit of generosity, because where would any of us be but for a God who so loved the world that He was generous enough to give us His only Son, and Jesus generous enough to not make an issue out of coming in the form of a servant and laying down his life a ransom for sinners. He didn't make an issue of becoming sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. This entire kingdom is built by generosity. And when you catch the spirit of generosity, you're catching the spirit of God and you're going to live a God-ordained, prosperous life. And that prosperity, yes, it will show up in your bank account, but it's way more than that. God will sow back into your life in ways. You know what the Bible says? When you honor God with the first portion, the first tenth, He will open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings on your life that you can't even contain. There will be moments on your journey where you will be so overwhelmed with the goodness of God, you'll say, I can't contain it. And we're not even in heaven yet. Where the reward will be beyond description. He gives seed to the sower. And then when we sow generously, we reap generously. I would give to this young people, and I am. And that's enough. Just to be part of this. I don't need anything back. I don't tithe to get anything back. But God has chosen to build in reciprocity in this process of giving. So that when you give, you receive. When you're generous, you prosper. Here's one, when you put your bread out on the water, and as a young person in church, and especially as a kid, I'd hear people talking about putting bread on the water. Like, what is that? But then they say, but it'll come back. You just give it time. It'll come back to you. And then if you give, you'll receive pressed down, shaken together, and running over. 
This man got his animals back. He wasn't expecting that. I mean, if the Lord needs it, he can have it because I wouldn't have it unless he gave it to me. And so if he needs it, it's his anyway. And I'm never going to be required or asked to give something that he hasn't first given to me. So I'm blessed and living generous and Lord, it's all yours. And yet it comes back. It comes back in a measure of joy. It comes back in a measure of blessing in your relationships. It'll come back in a measure of blessing in your emotions, in, in the freedom of your spirit, the strength of your heart. It'll, it will come up as a harvest of the goodness of God in the land of the living. Oh, hallelujah. If any of you or any of you a testimony today that you honor God in giving. And he has blessed you in ways that you never thought possible. This man, we're talking about him because he wrote himself into the story by his generosity. One of the most talked about miracles of scripture is the feeding of the 5,000. What was used to feed the 5,000? Sack lunch, what? Five loaves and... And they belong to a little boy. We don't know his name, but we know that that little boy exists because he wrote himself into the story. Because those around Jesus said to Jesus, it's the end of the day. There are thousands of people here. They are hungry. We can't possibly feed them. You need to send them away. And Jesus said, no, feed them. And the disciples said, again, we don't have the money. And if we had the money, there's no place where we can buy the amount of food necessary to feed these people. It's the feeding of the 5,000. But when you include everybody that was present, it was about 20,000 people. Can you imagine? 20,000 people. And they have to be fed. And Jesus said, no, we're going to feed them. What do you have? And Andrew says, well, there's this boy in he, he has his sack lunch. Think about the boy. Think when you were a child. If you ever took a sack lunch anywhere, imagine some man coming to you that's a stranger and saying, will you give me your lunch? And just think about that. And that little boy, you know, the Lord needed it. And when the little boy released it, we have this miracle. And I mean, preachers just wax eloquent. Fed 5,000 Jesus blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it, and everybody ate, and everybody was full. And when it was over, there were 12 baskets, 12, well, every number in the Bible is significant, has to represent the 12 tribes of Israel. Now we got Old Testament, New Testament coming together. Ha, ah, this is all because of generosity of a little boy. Who said if the Lord needs it, he can have it. The 12 baskets, that's awesome. The 20,000, that's awesome. I'm impressed by a little boy who was willing to be generous. He wrote himself into the story. There's a lady. She's a widow. We don't know a lot about her other than that. And the fact that Jesus said as long as the generations exist, this lady, wills, her story will be told. Why? Because the little she had, it was called a mite. She gave it. 
And it so gripped the heart of Jesus. He says, this story's going to be recorded. She wrote her. She didn't write scripture. She didn't give us the epistles. She didn't give us the prophets. She didn't give us the Psalms. She just gave a mite. And her generosity wrote her into the story. How about we write ourselves into this story with a generous spirit? Generosity. This is my prayer for you. Psalm 90. May the favor of the Lord, the Lord our God. That's powerful right there. The Lord our God. Rest on us. You settle in on me, Lord. And establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Logan, I want to tell you something. The work of your hands will be established in the salvation of hearts and lives, in the furtherance of the kingdom of God. Establish. Establish, Lord, our spirit of generosity. Establish our love and our giving. Establish it, O oh God. Yes, establish the work of our hands. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Our action step today is generosity. I want to break it down as simply as I know how. These are the ways you can take action. Let me put it on the screen for you. The ushers are going to come and we're going to pass the bucket down the aisle. And I'm going to ask you to give. However, some of you may do all of your giving electronically and we have a growing percentage of us that are using these tools and it's great you go to the assembly.org slash give and it's very easy and it's secure and it's an online giving tool that's the delivery system see along the way somebody said the way we can take up resources to advance the kingdom is to pass the plate I remember preaching in a church I was in my 20s and I was invited there to preach and they had had worship and they passed the plate. And there was a special song. And I noticed this person had come from this room where it looked like the plates were taken after the offering. Came out by the time the end of the song was done. And handed the pastor a note. He said, hold up a second. I got to go do something before I introduce you. He got up and he said, uh, we passed the plates, but we didn't get enough. So we're going to pass them again. <laughs> like, so he said come down here he said and we're going to pass them until we get enough passing the plate was the way it was done and then along the way with technology giving all, so many of you we, we pay our bills online all of our finances it's done online and we've got this growing percentage of people that give online and I noticed when the bucket passed it's been weird for me growing up church to not put something in the bucket I want you to know we're honoring the Lord with our giving. We do it electronically, and the key is use one of the resources. Here's one that I absolutely love, and it's called Text to Give. So all you do is open your text app, and you put in the 800 number, and then you just put the amount that you want to give and hit send. And then immediately back to you will be information that's required, very secure, 
so that that transaction can be executed. So it's awesome. So everybody, all of us can participate. And my heart today, coming to the service, like, you know, 50K days, I want to challenge you first and foremost to honor God with the tithe and then above the tithe to neighbors and nations, which is the way we support local and global outreach. I want to challenge you to give an offering today and I'm going to step out here and challenge you, each one of us, to give $50. For some of you, that's a huge sacrifice and so you'll need to pray about that and see, you know, is that resonating with you as something that the Lord would have you do? For some of you, $50, that's just not a stretch. And so you need to pray and let the Holy Spirit begin to stir you until it resonates with you what you should give. You may need to take that up considerably. But I want us to, to practice what's been preached today. I want us to just be generous. And I want everybody to do it. Teenagers, get your phone out and give out of your mom and dad's pocket. <laughs> oh, it's so convenient, man. Connor will just text me and say, Dad, could you move some money over to my card? I'm like, sure. <laughs> and so, yeah, give today. Give today. Be generous. I, I, want, I want you to live a big life. I want you to know that there's no great vision that's not connected to great generosity. It's just never existed in the history of the world. It's one thing to have a great vision, but if there's not a spirit of generosity to connect to it, then that vision has no delivery system. The way Jesus is ushered in in a more profound way is through the generosity of ordinary men and women. Amen. And so as the ushers come today, back to Psalm 90, I pray over you today that the favor of the Lord our God would rest on you and that he would establish if that, that may resonate with someone because your job has been uncertain, I want you to know he's going to establish. Let him put certainty there. I don't know how it's all going to factor out exactly where you're working right now. I'm just telling you the Lord will establish you. The Lord will establish you. Lord Jesus, thank you today for the way your economy works, the way your kingdom works. We're overwhelmed that you would include us and you would need something from us. You would choose to need something. And that what you would need is something you've already given us in advance so that we can practice a life of generosity that only gets bigger. And it could activate the ushering in of your presence with clarity and volume to the gospel message in a greater way. That we could ride ourselves into the redemptive story. I think of Malawi. I think of Uganda. I think of China. I think of Thailand. The ministers here in this room that out of the generosity of their heart have dreamed and worked and sown. Now there's prevailing ministry in those places. The hundred year anniversary of this church that we're moving into we're ushering in on generosity of generations. And Lord God, we're here now, and I believe it's prophetic. And we take it as an ordained opportunity that holds life change within the, the action of this seed sown. 
And we pray, Lord, as we sow, that there would be a harvest of souls, that there would be an advance of the kingdom, that, God, you would be more powerful. in the, God, even this, this day, our nation has experienced another heartbreak. Lord God, what happened in Orlando, it made history in the worst way. It's a broken world. Billions of people that have no concept of you. And so, Lord, this going is, captures momentum from generosity. Today, we realize the significance that's hanging in the balance. And we lift our generosity way beyond a specific person or initiative. We attach it in alignment with the grand scheme of God. And may you establish our work as we do it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, all right, go for it today. God bless you as you give. I want to dismiss you on a story that speaks of your generosity. A youth pastor of mine who was with me in Memphis, just a gifted leader, felt in his heart after serving as youth pastor there in Memphis to go to a community where he knew no one. God had birthed in his heart a dream to plant a church. And he launched out in such faith, and we supported him out of that church there for two years, we, we paid what would have been equivalent to half of the salary he had, and we continued insurance coverage for his family because he didn't go there with a, a nucleus of people that wanted to start a church. He went on a prayer, and he got out of the boat of his normal salary and just walked on the water of vision. And I, I remember laughing so hard when he sent me a picture, and he's out at his mailbox, and I said, what are you doing, waiting on perhaps some money to arrive? He said, no, I'm trying to win the mailman to Jesus. It's the only person I know I'm out here. And then he sent me another picture, and he said, we started today, started church today, and it was right in his living room, and it was, it was Jason, the pastor, his wife, Raina, their daughter, Chelsea, and their son, Dylan. 
That was it. And they had church. And it wasn't too long until there were 10 people in that living room and then 15 people and then so many people, I mean upwards of 30, that they would move the furniture out on Saturday evening into their garage and set up rows of chairs in their living room. And then God continued to bless it and they moved to a ballroom of a hotel. The hotel had the right that just 24 hours notice to say, sorry, you can't have it Sunday, we need it. And then they would have to try and disperse the word of they can't meet at the normal location and where to meet. They would turn hotel rooms into nurseries. The most incredible perseverance and just overcome. Then went into a, a school and the cafeteria became the auditorium, bringing in every extension cord and screen and computer. And then out in the atrium was the children's service. It's in Florida and there's no air condition in the atrium. They turned little hallways into nurseries. I, I, I preached in every one of these places. I preached for him on the anniversary every year. And so then about six years ago, we had him come here because God had opened a door for them to get this little church. They wanted $2 million for the church. God kept working and blessed them to be able to purchase that church for just over $400,000. It was a miracle of how they raised it. And you stepped up and said, we want to give an offering to set up the brand new nurseries in that church. And you did it. And man, they decorated the nurseries. They got all the new cribs and the equipment needed to do nursery. Now let me fast forward it. Two weeks ago, I preached for him in that building on Saturday night on a Memorial Day weekend, packed side to side, front to back. Three Sunday morning services. Overwhelmed and, and I launched their building program because they were able to acquire five acres just next to the church that the asking price was $2 million. They ended up getting it for $690,000. And I launched a $7 million building program for them. And Pastor Jason said, I will never forget the assembly and what they did when I was able to go home and say, we can get all new equipment. He said, man, our equipment was so beat up from having to take it into hotel ballrooms and into the school. He said, it was, it was just so, so worn. And to open up that first day, those nurseries beautifully decorated with all that new equipment. He said, it just gave us something so special. And so as I'm sitting there at this church that is now running on Memorial Day weekend, they had just over a thousand people in attendance and started with his family. It's 10 years going now. And so as I'm sitting there and I'm part of all that, I go, man, the assembly wrote themselves into this story. There was a young lady, Susie, that was leading worship. She's been leading worship for two years. She's part of the worship team. Two years ago, she was addicted to drugs. Her life was just so broken. And man, God saved her. God has set her free. She's been free from drug addiction for two years. And she was just standing there, just giving God praise and leading in worship. You wrote yourself into that story because her little girl was back in those nurseries. You wrote yourself into it. You've written yourself into countries around the world. You've written yourself into the story of an orphanage. You've written your, yourself into the story of a school. 
You've written yourself into the story of countless people. Church, thank you for your spirit of generosity. Let's just go for it as we embrace the future and watch what God will do. A generous person will prosper. May God's favor rest on you is my prayer. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise today. Great day to be together. God bless you, everybody. Stand and have a great day as you're dismissed.